0: Welcome to The Interesting Podcast, episode number 88. This episode is Elroy Spoonface Powell, who's just the best. He's really, really cool, and also one of the most motivated people uh, I've ever talked to. It was really, really inspiring. Uh, but if you're in the UK, you probably know him from the early 2000s. He was in a, a group called Black Legend, and they had a number one record, uh, which was a cover of You See the Trouble With Me by Barry White. And he was a singer. He's a great great singer, all-around great performer, actually. Uh, So we talk about what that was like to basically be thrust into the limelight, having his first hit be number one on the charts, and what that was like, how he navigated that, um, what it was like going on tour for a lot of years, and what that does to you mentally. Um, We talk about uh, him doing martial arts growing up, and then how martial arts has influenced pretty much everything that he's done, um, and the, the unseen benefits of that which was really cool to kind of dive into and to get his kind of headspace. Um, and then going from being in the music industry for so long at such, a, at such a high level to then switching over to acting and then getting thrust into the deep end there as well because he did EastEnders. He, did, uh, uh, he was in Star Wars. He was in Episode Seven, He was in most recently Fighting With My Family, uh, the movie about the uh, wrestler Paige, which I really recommend. It's great. Um, So he's got stories about uh, working with Nick Frost and how cool that was and different fight scenes that he's done for other shows. Also check out his book called uh, how to think beyond a chart position by Elroy Spoonface Powell. Uh, It's great. And he really dives into the psyche of somebody who's behind the scenes of the music industry and what that's like and how to navigate it. And a hundred things he wished somebody would have told him. (laughs) It's, it's great. It's great. And uh We dive into how he got the name Spoonface, where that came from, what it means. It's really cool. Uh, All kinds of stuff. What a great dude. I love talking to people who uh, are so multifaceted and have so many cool interests and have succeeded in in such a way that not a lot of people have, I think. So it's interesting to get that sort of perspective and what that's like on the other side of success. And then how to handle it. You know, it was great. It was really, really cool. Uh, You guys are going to love him. Elroy's awesome. Uh, So without further ado, let's get into it with the man Spoonface himself. Uh, The episode number 88 of the interesting podcast, Elroy Spoonface Powell. Let's do this, my friends. Theme song time. So what's, uh, what's the future like?
1: The future is looking great. Good. Oh, yeah.
0: At least sure. the next five hours, we're going to make it. Um, <laughs> absolutely.
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, exactly. You've made it to 1 p.m., so so far 1 p.m. is pretty good.
1: Yeah. What time is it for you?
0: It is 8 a.m.
1: Oh, nice and early.
0: Yeah, okay. that's right. That's right. Good start. Good start can't complain. I made it up, which is the greatest step forward already. You know, (laughs) some people not so lucky, but I'm, dude, I'm so excited to talk to you because I love talking to actors just in general, but you're what I call like the little extra because you can act and you sing and you dance. It's like, I feel like people are naturally creative, but some people are so creative. They're like multiple outlets. And I'm like, I want to talk to those people.
1: So, Man, I really appreciate you reaching out, and, and I'm happy to share, and it's, it's, I think it's great what you're doing, so yeah, let's do it.
0: Oh, stop it. <laughs> but I, I am wondering, though, being that you have all like these creative outlets, I need to say, first, I'm a fan of your music. I am well, aware, and also a big fan of your music videos, which, oh boy, we gonna get into. But did, <laughs> were you as a kid, were you more into acting or singing, or how did that even come about?
1: You know what, as a kid, I grew up in this household where my dad bombarded us with reggae music oh, um, all the time. And, um, and so it was just in me, but I didn't actually want to become an actor or a singer. Uh, it just sort of uh, happened organically. I got involved in music and had a number one record. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, um, before, I, before I even ventured into acting. And, um, you know, I was I was exploring. I'm always very creative and having fun of expressing myself through these mediums, you know. And um, eventually we landed up here as me being an actor uh, from the uh, music industry.
0: Right on. That's cool. So at what age did you realize you can sing like Barry White?
1: Well, uh, <laughs> I, I woke up one day and my, my voice definitely uh, was sounding very different. And all, all my friends and everyone made me very aware of that when I hit school. <laughs> Um, Like, you know, what what happened to you last night? Um,
0: (laughs) I found it. That's what happened.
1: I found it. (laughs) I found my groove. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then, but I I always loved messing around with reggae and and, and melody. And um, I went to Jamaica when I was a kid and it's just the heart of the culture, you know, and came back. Yeah. And it was just nonstop. I just sort of had this thing, this constant... A rhythm this groove this melody inside that i, I wanted to explore sure um, and that's how it's sort all of happened
0: that's so cool i love reggae music i love music in general the music's awesome and reggae is such a specific type of music it's one of those like reggae you have to feel you know what i mean like there's some music that's more that you can take like a more technical approach to it like with classical music and like with the piano you've got your 98 keys and you've got your musical theory but reggae seems like one of those genres that's just like, it's almost like you can't teach it, almost. You either have it or you don't. So that's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, for me it was really interesting, because they spent a lot of time covering all kinds of songs, from country to R&B and and all sorts, as well as this real kind of, when we hit the kind of roots and the the kind of uh, yeah like real social commentary, and not being afraid to speak out against injustice and all of that, which was really attractive. Absolutely, man, I'm
0: so into it. I can't sing at all, so anyone that can sing, I'm like, man, if I could, it's one of those other things, you know. If there's things that you can't do, you're always like, if I could, though, man, I'd, I'd be, I'd be someone else, I'd be somebody, <laughs> you know. But that's yeah.
1: cool. That's cool. But I think the main thing that, alongside martial arts, when I was a kid, um, were the things that helped me. Um, connect with myself and sure. start to find this confidence, you know, to just, to just be who it felt right to be.
0: Absolutely. So what martial arts did you do?
1: I started off with uh, a lot of Taekwondo when I was a kid. Love and, it. Uh, yeah. My instructors were just really kind of serious and uh, we had fun, but they were hardcore, you know, and really pushed us hard. Sure. But we loved it. Yeah. I bet. A lot of kicking. Taekwondo. A lot of kicking, a lot of kicking, but also, um, they I mean, had this very 360 approach so we did locks and throws and takedowns and um it was very much about developing this kind of internal strength you know Yeah. not, not giving in
0: absolutely that's the biggest benefit uh, of martial arts is like you're saying that confidence because you you learn to defend yourself as well but you're also getting physically stronger and then there's the mental aspect which like martial arts is 90% mental and then you can carry that and it's kind of served it's served you pretty well man
1: Indeed, man. Indeed. So you, you do martial arts as well?
0: I did. I did. Uh, I did Shorin Ryu for like three or four years. I did. I studied Kendo for like ten. Uh, wow. And uh, you know, I was like, using a sword these days is practical. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh it's great. It's great. I really like it, and it has those hidden benefits. It's interesting that I've talked to quite a few other artists, actors, and musicians and stuff that also did martial arts. And how it kinda coincides is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting that. Um there's a lot of musicians and creative people that that have done martial arts and that connection is definitely there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it for somebody like you as well that has like a an identity, you know, that you're putting out there through your performances and stuff, that further enhances it so that you wouldn't be as influenced from outside sources. Pretty cool. Pretty
1: cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did you were you were you singing to them as you were beating them?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Be honest. Oh, you can I, say I, yes. I should, if only I should have I should have really. Yeah. <laughs> they'd have to they'd have to pay me extra though. That's basically. right. Yeah. i would have to charge this. That's right.
0: Sure. You charge you charge them for the song and then if they don't pay they get an extra beating. This, <laughs> this is a racket I'm going to help you with. All right. I'm I'm an ideas I'm an ideas man. So so you know, I'm here I'm here, I'm here for you. Is what I'm trying to say.
1: But nowadays, I'm doing a lot more um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu. Oh, and, um, very different
0: like, from Taekwondo.
1: Very different. How you liking uh, it? I love it. Right. On. And and it, and it was scary for a long time. Yeah, how come? Well, because you, I'm a big guy, and sometimes there are guys bigger than me, and you have them on top of you trying to oh, choke you and point. break you arm. and you feel like the world's closing in on you, and you can't get out of this box that suddenly been created sure uh but then when you start to learn how to breathe and relax and just just to be patient and it starts to come together um it's it's um, it's amazing what it does for you internally as well as externally but internally it's a great it's just such a special thing that i'm so glad i discovered
0: sure
1: uh i'm still learning still early days for me i'm a purple belt now um uh, are uh, yeah i'm with professor eddie cohn right, um
0: uh-huh.
1: But I head out to L.A. a couple of times, and I hooked up with Heron Gracie, Professor Heron Gracie at uh, Gracie University and Henna. Love it. And uh, special people. And, uh, you know, I love – Heron does this um, yearly jiu-jitsu lifestyle summit where people from all around the globe come together and exchange, and we, we have special guests um, giving really? us insights. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And it's blowing my mind and really helps me um, with certain elements of my personal journey you know, sure. for real. It's become, it's become like a spiritual thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it, true. It's, it's great, man. It's it's, it's, that, it's my happy place. It's my happy space, for sure.
0: That's so cool and so important, especially nowadays. Like, everyone needs a sort of, like, area where you can recalibrate because we're getting bombarded with so much information all the time. And yes. with, like, a physical outlet as well as a mental outlet, that's where kind of martial arts shines, I think.
1: I agree. Pretty Yeah. Nice.
0: And jiu-jitsu is another one that's, like, with with jujitsu you're rolling you know so you're like in someone's face with your hands on them and like it's very tactile you know which just it, it's like in those situations you can't think about anything else so it can become like a form of therapy
1: yeah yeah pretty neat 100 percent. yeah
0: pretty neat so you were singing growing up just because you had like a musical environment and stuff so your number one your number one record, which I am very familiar with, hence the berry whiteness, uh did was that something that you like planned? You're like, all right, we're gonna do this, or did you kind of fall into that?
1: I fell right into that. You really? know, I was um, yeah, I was studying law at the time, I was a student. What? And um yeah, I was headed in that direction. I wanted to do that whole thing. Dude. And uh... <laughs> That's so different. And... <laughs> left turn left turn yeah and uh a real special person to me called lisa millet she's a singing my singing instructor but she was also an artist in her own right with defective records at the time and um she said look there's some friends of mine in italy they need someone to revoke this thing you have a deep voice you know look come see me let's go out there let's see what we can make happen and i just wanted some money i was a broke student trying sure. to just get through I was like yeah let's do this and uh went out there it was one of the hardest sessions I've ever done in my life goodness me really Barry White yeah it was Barry White didn't just have a, a deep voice his whole body was a resonating chamber and I wasn't as big as I am now back then you know sure um, so we worked it. we got it we got it we cranked it out and by the time I got back I was getting emails about yeah, um, get ready. You're gonna be doing at the time top of the pops and all this kind of stuff. I was like, Wow, really? Dude. I had no idea what to expect, but my my world got flipped turned upside down. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the rest is history, as they say.
0: Wow. That's a, that's such a singular experience as well. So when so when you came back, first off, you also had great hair. So I just need <laughs> just need to throw that out there. It's such a good time as well, because that happened it was like early 2000s, wasn't it, around that time? Yeah,
1: that's right, yeah.
0: Which is, like, the peak of, like, late 90s dance type of music. Like, there's a specific sound that coordinates with, like, those from, like, 98 to, like, 03. Those five years, like, you've got Sonic, You've got, like, all those sort of club music. But it's not like club music nowadays. I can't really explain it. But it was was a good time.
1: Yeah, the house music with a fusion of the – Bits of funk and you know soul soul and all this kind of these kind of grooves uh, thrown in and yeah like you said you know like even like Kylie Minogue and all that lot and your yes Eric Eric Murillo's and you know all these people that were f- pumping out the house music and it was crossing over exactly uh, so yeah definitely a really interesting time and you
0: were a part of that wave pretty I was cool. part of that
1: wave pretty yeah.
0: cool so then when did you how, like what is that even like how do you even process that sort of information when you were doing a job for a friend basically and it's like you have a deep voice And next thing you know you're number one like i can't even i can't even imagine what that would do to your head to be like okay you just have to recalibrate everything you know now because your name's on charts with all of these other legends you know
1: honestly it was probably about five years later
0: (laughs) oh (laughs) perfect
1: uh, that it it hit me sure
0: that makes sense so is that is that how you got involved with Black Legend as well? Was through the through this recording session?
1: Yeah, that's how I got involved. Uh, Lisa Millett connected the dots, and uh, yeah, that that was it. Wow!
0: Did you do concerts after that?
1: Did a hell of a load of uh, PAs up and down, yeah, across yeah, Europe. Like? It was phenomenal. Just out three, four times a week. Um, wow! Performing, doing shows, meeting people, and. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of work i'm glad i was so energized from all the taekwondo i was doing at the time yeah um because it, it was brutal it was really brutal a lot of hard hard work um i bet. Just, yeah but I, it's how i learned i learned so much from just having to do it time and time and time again in front of all kinds of different crowds and uh yeah that it was phenomenal it was a, a great period in my uh, in my life that i'll never forget
0: did you find over time that like you could go into that like into the zone where you've done it so many times that you can just kind of be there and still perform?
1: Yeah, I mean, it gives you a great bit of confidence. I mean, on on the flip side, um, before that, again, being a broke student, yeah, I I did all kinds of jobs and and I did a lot of things like uh, a window window like trying to get double glazed selling double glazed windows and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like door to door selling perfume and working in, so like I dealt with people a lot. I got used to dealing with people through that a lot, and so by the time I got there, I had a certain amount of confidence. But in terms of winning over a crowd and getting getting them to connect with you, um, that was a special skill that came with constantly being in in the faces of all yeah again all kinds of people you know sober, drunk, and in between.
0: Yeah, was there was there a learning curve? Having never done like those type of live performances before, being shoved into oh hey, it's the number one guy,
1: massively yeah, it was learning curve, and then I had to deal with you know you get you get this massive um, kind of the weight of expectation because now you've had this number one record and everyone wants you to have the number one records the rest of your life yeah and. They don't see that you don't necessarily have control over the, the the material you're making, especially back then if you're signed to a label and they have ideas about what they'd like you to do. Mm-hmm. And you're the front person, you're not necessarily producing and so on. So I had to deal with all that. And um, eventually, it was only when I decided I was going to do what I wanted to do my way, I got this sense of freedom and had to rebuild my career um, with my own voice, which was which was great. I had, it, it was so free, being able to do that.
0: Sure, sure, man. So, how long were you touring, essentially?
1: Probably, probably the first um three years were the most intense. But then wow. every now and, every now and again, you get a, re- a request for a performance somewhere, you know, South Africa or Dubai or somewhere. You know, some shows. What?
0: Coming up. That's far um, from where you are.
1: That's very far. Um, yeah. Man. So that,
0: that must have great. been kind of crazy. It's like, hey, it countries away. They want to see you perform. Yep,
1: yeah. hella crazy,
0: man. All right. So, did you have in those times? Like, I'm I'm fascinated by process. So, like, how how much time? When did you sleep? Because <laughs> you got rehearsals and travel, and if you're doing multiple nights a week,
1: you don't sleep. Yeah, sleep on the on Fair. the tour bus. We sleep on the yeah, and even like we had hotels. Like you, you know, every now and again, you get a hotel to stay in overnight, so on and after the show, you're just so wired that you just couldn't. I couldn't sleep a lot of the time, anyway. I bet. You know, my brain was. You know, and then you're worried about you think about family and how things are going back home, and it's actually a really tough thing. It's actually you actually get very lonely at times, even though you have a lot of people around you. I found anyway, it was hard because you got a certain amount of caution that you're throwing out there because you don't know who you can trust totally. Also, right, um, right. And you have got a small core of people, but there's only so much that you can share with them. Also, because you just come from such different backgrounds and have such this different um, things going on in your personal situation, you know. So, I found it was very, I was very lonely for a long time, and I'm, I'm a, I was the only child for a while, so I'm kind of used to that. Right. But um, but it was it was tough. It was a grind. And so when you did get home, a lot of times your family, you couldn't really relate your experiences. You know, they they couldn't really empathize with the sure. things you're going through. So that was it. Was also interesting for that, and I share that in the book. I wrote a book called "How to Think Beyond the Chart Position." Love it. Um, and uh, I share that, those experiences, you know, and um, and I encourage you know emerging talent to think about how they can build and maintain community and find their own personal mechanisms for dealing with stress and loneliness and burnout and all those things that come with massive success at times.
0: Sure, especially really fast success. Because it's not like you were in bands trying it, trying it, trying it, trying it. And then you came upon this and was like just played the game you'd been playing already just on a higher difficulty. But it was like so fast.
1: Right. It was the first song that I ever released.
0: That's insane.
1: And it wasn't just a number one record, it was a massive. It's really hard to put it into context now, but it was so big you had all of the tastemakers absolutely into it and it crossed over into the mainstream and then all of that lot were into it and uh it was at a time when people sold a lot of records as well to to get the top spots sure
0: yeah it's like it wasn't a lull where you just got in because there wasn't a lot there it's like no this this especially that time late 90s early 2000s like that's when you've got peak other bands as well and everything's going on and you still and and that's the thing with charts as well is when you're charting like that's the massive PR boost for the entire region, you know? And then eventually the world, because you're like, who is this? People will check it out just to see all the other people that you beat out, you know? Yeah. Pretty yeah. neat. Man, I've I've thought about that a lot with people that are performers that go on tour and get to that level of success. Because It's fascinating that you say that it's like really lonely, because I can imagine that it would be, because one, you're always moving. Because you're hitting different venues and doing all these things, you're in crowds, but you're up on stage, and then when you go home, like you're saying, you don't have anyone that can relate to you because like oh i how I had all these people, and it was crazy the last five shows, and like i i was I was here, I don't know what that means, and they're like, "Oh, okay, cool, and you don't sleep, so that helps too <laughs> <laughs> Man, so when did where did spoonface come from because it's the greatest nickname I've ever heard <laughs> so I kind of had this thing
1: where you look looking to spoon you get something different and that was always my approach with making music um i don't want people to just expect me to be a rapper or whatever you know i was always into exploring different genres and seeing how they fuse together and
0: yeah so at,
1: at one point i had an acoustic um guitar and accordion uh project that i did um with like a reggae soul folk music vibe to it that's incredible and, um, yeah and, and that's where spoonface came from really
0: that's cool. That's way better than like, oh, it's just a really cool nickname. You're like, oh no, there's a philosophy behind it, dude. I'm into that. I'm into that. I know there were there were uh, hints to that in the Too Fast music video, where you actually there is an animatic of the Spoon Face, which is you as a cartoon spoon. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the spoon, so that's kind of cool. So how was how was that doing like Too Fast? And then somebody's like the greatest that time music video just want to throw that you, out there
1: you know it's so it's so interesting there's this kind of it's almost as if i was in two worlds um, because i came from this background of of hardcore reggae dancehall and then later on drum and bass and jungle and so on and um, and then i was in very commercial house music and so i had a lot of fans because it's so widespread and and uh, big in certain places, sure. and then I had an audience that possibly didn't understand why I was doing house music like that. You know, what oh, I mean, right. it wasn't like it wasn't kind of like now where you got Chris Brown and Usher, you know, hooking up with Diplo and and, and like doing all these kind of um, house uh, EDM fused R and B and so on. It people were a lot more closed minded, right? You know. Right. What I mean? So, uh, I mean, me, I didn't care. I did whatever it felt right for me to do. That's but right. at the same, but I I was very aware of how some people just didn't get it um and for me I loved it and so I love going to Italy I love going to that part of the world and they they just lapped it up they're just really into that that vibe even now like house music is very much their thing but I I still very much hold on to my dance hall and my reggae reggae roots and when I want to just um uh, chill out and disappear and just dis- disappear into myself and just uh, contemplate life and so on. It comes on and off. I go.
0: Sure, that's that's really smart. I think as well to like keep a creative vibe going, to not pigeonhole yourself and put yourself into one box, because that's kind of like how I feel, I feel like that's kind of like how the human brain operates sometimes. as we need to categorize, like you are this thing, so that I can enjoy you as this thing, but as human beings, we're multi multi multifaceted. Uh, So when you're talking about mixing genres and guitars and accordions, that's awesome. So, <laughs> did, did, so did you have a favorite venue that stuck out? That you're like, this is the place. Because a lot of artists are like, Manila, I like to go to Manila, it's the best. <laughs> you, know? <laughs>
1: um, you know, for really straight up out and out house music, on the very, very commercial side of things, mm-hmm. I love going to Magaluf. Um, oh. And a place called BCM, because I, I I was real good friends with a, a guy out there, a couple of guys who DJ and, and pretty much run the club, you know, mm-hmm. um, who made me feel very welcome, you know. And um, yeah, I, so aside from that, I never really had any specific venues that I loved. It was more about who am I going to be performing with and around that I like hanging out with uh, in between and afterwards as well, you know.
0: Sure. That's another thing people don't think about after the concert. Yeah. You know, you got to hang out with somebody. That's where a lot of artists, I think, have trouble is when you go like the ultimate highs and lows where you've got on stage, people chanting your name, singing your songs, ultimate high, going to a hotel room by yourself,
1: ultimate low. You know, and like
0: we're not wired to be able to handle those in such a short amount of time, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is why a lot of uh, artists end up self-medicating and feeling just Isolated and and all of that stuff, you know. Mm. And uh, we, I feel that record labels and tour managers and publishers, more of the industry, need to own this duty of care to to artists that are, are in these situations.
0: I agree. I agree. It's because they're carrying the massive amount of weight that goes along with it. But then the the upper echelon kind of treats it as a product. The problem is they don't separate the artist from the art. So they start seeing the artist as the art, a.k.a. a product. So it's a crazy business.
1: It's a crazy business. I totally agree with you that the humanity gets lost somewhere.
0: 100%, especially in something that's like a a, a product, you know, because then you stop, you dehumanize the people that are actually doing it. But that's, that's why I like to talk to people, to be like, oh, hey, let's bring that human element back. What was it like? Yeah. So, so that's kind of yeah. neat. What? So what was something that you learned getting getting thrust into this so quickly? Because had you done any sort of like live performance, like concert type stuff before this?
1: i had done things like um, talent competitions at places like uh, Hackney Empire Sweet. and in shopping cities and all this kind of stuff. Even like or malls, as you say, or like. Um, at school, I did uh, loads of performances and stuff, so I kind of I, I, I did that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but um, at the at the level that I was doing it with Black Legend and the frequency, or e- even to do television, because I started doing a lot of TV sh- uh, performances. Um, what was at the time? Yeah, Top of the Pops and Pepsi Char and like d- uh, breakfast morning programs for young people, like yeah. uh, CD, CD UK and. <laughs> all these things, Dude. Get, getting on shows and answering questions and getting gunned and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have any practice for that, but I guess I'd watch a, a ton of TV, uh, and I just sort of, I there just thought, go. well, let me just do do it my way and just go with the flow.
0: Hey, fake it till you make it. There you go. I totally believe in that. You it, know, it worked. You, yeah, you, you didn't do like two performances and it was like, oh man, we've made a mistake.
1: Yeah, just 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 and enjoy it, you know, just don't worry. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in worrying about making mistakes and so on. I just thought, let me go for it. Let me just do the best I can because that's all you can do.
0: I agree. I think there's freedom in that as well. When you've got, like, truth is universal in the sense that if somebody gets up on stage and they're unapologetic and they're like, this is who I am, it almost makes people feel better about enjoying something because you're like, oh, that's who they are, so I can be who I am. It's like this yeah. weird sort of like almost spiritual thing going on where all the pretenses are out. We're like, oh, it's okay to enjoy things and be ourselves. All right. And then the truth kind of comes out. And then you get actual joy.
1: 100%. I mean, and then, and yeah. But that thirst for creativity and exploring the different sides to me led me back to acting. Um, sweet. Uh, you know, I, I went for a period actually where I was doing bits of erotic art. I was weird. <laughs> so <was> like, <laughs> I was, I was, I got, I got kind of bored with the industry. I got kind of uh, jaded as well. I just thought this is just boring. It's, it's tiring. And, it's, and so, um, I just got a ton of models in a hotel room and a camera and, um, done. Some, and done. I just did some very tasteful. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very tasteful. I was very aware of that, just making sure it was very tasteful um and did an exhibition out of out of that and then i thought why am i taking pictures of these models i need to get myself back in front of the the lens and explore where i can go with that and um dude yeah and it went from there and then i got asked to do eastenders a po- popular uk uh, show.
0: even i know eastenders
1: <laughs> that's
0: like the uk days of our lives exactly thousands so. and thousands wait eastenders was your first like big acting gig
1: well, I I got asked to do be, be a market trader for a, a couple of years. Sweet. Um, and and then I started to do fight scenes. So I started. I went and did some training with the British Action Academy. Um, and then I got asked to do a couple of fight scenes. And I I thought, let me just get a, an acting agent. Got an acting agent. And then I started doing um, commercials. And then this opportunity with uh, fighting with my family came up. Where
0: oh yes, it did
1: with The Rock and Stephen Merchant and Nick Frost and the rest of the cast. I have to say, I absolutely love Nick Frost. Um, I was going to work... ask,
0: I've heard he's amazing.
1: He's, he's a lovely man, you know, just really, uh, humble, uh, funny and, and just real, you know? Um, and, uh, I'm sure he goes through a lot of things like we all do, but he was all he, he is always so nice to me. Um, That's and it's cool. a pleasure working with him, man. And, uh, yeah, that, definitely was a real turning point for me in my acting career because especially now I, I, I literally just signed a contract for a, a film that i'm doing later in the year and all of these opportunities have opened up because of that film uh for sure yeah and it's a great time i'm just really thankful really it's really it's really a great time
0: well i mean you were amazing in it so there's that <laughs> it, <laughs> like for know. real you were great because I, I i just saw that movie with my wife a, a few weeks ago and having no Idea about the wrestling industry and how that goes. I like walked out of that with so much respect for literally everyone who's ever done that, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then one of the standouts of that movie was you, and I was like, this guy just something about him. I was like, I gotta get him on my show. I was like, I need to know who this person is because you're so good, and you got dude, you got to share a scene with Nick Frost and get hit in the crotch with a bowling ball. Who can say that? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Talk about singular experiences.
1: That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, man. Of course, Much appreciated.
0: Of course. No, much appreciated to you because you did it. I just got to enjoy it. So, hey, (laughs) that's a thing. So that's pretty cool. I'm I'm seeing the thread here. There's that bit. And it's also interesting you say that, like, it got boring at the top of the charts doing this thing because you're doing the same thing every night. It's like we all have this idea that once you hit this massive level of success that everything's cool. And you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm set forever. But then you realize a dream job is still a job. You still go to work. You still do the same thing. And then you're gonna be like, Uh, what are we gonna do in the downtime? And the answer is erotic art. Yeah, that's awesome. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I got I got tired also of the politics and yes. the uh, this, again, yeah, that and the weight of expectation. You know, um, you know, every time you even see family members, oh, wh- what's the next thing? What are you doing? Can you sing for me? And it's like well, if you're a singer. <laughs> I don't know many other professions where if you turn up at uh, a meeting or something, people just want you to sing or perform. And I'm like, if you're an accountant, I don't ask you to do my taxes. That's true. <laughs> you, you, know? I, you know, give me a break. I just want to hang out.
0: Exactly. You go in there, dance, monkey dance. And you're like, no, and it's, I don't want to. Oh, my
1: goodness. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God.
0: That's back to the, it. oh, dude, it goes right back to the whole like art versus artist and not being able to separate it. They're like, you're not you, you're the singer who sings for me. Keep singing. Absolutely. Look at this. We're unpacking some stuff here.
1: 100%.
0: So, were you in Star Wars? Because we need to talk about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. I I almost thought about that. Um, Yeah, I I was part of this agency, and... um, they sent me this request for a few weeks on, on this project, and I was like, oh, okay, what is it? And they said, we can't tell you, you're just going to have to turn up
0: Always and do a, a fitting.
1: Sign. Always a good sign. so I turn up and I do this fitting, and I'm walking down this hallway, and suddenly I see, like, um, I don't know, stormtrooper legs and oh. pictures of, you know, the, the Millennium Falcon. And I'm like, where the hell am I? What's going on? And
0: then yeah.
1: it all became very apparent and uh that was phenomenal the the whole team the the, the crew the director um everyone was so nice yeah? oh my goodness so nice that's awesome and they the i i can't go i love food of course but the, they they brought their own food people over and so they had, like, jerk at the time. I'm vegan now, but at the time I was eating fish and chicken and all sorts. Mm-hmm. And they had, like, jerk chicken and just an amazing menu. Dude. And Harrison Ford would come over to get his own food because he, he was like that. He just liked to come mingle a little bit and go back to his trailer and do what he was doing. Sure. And uh, everyone was just so super nice, though. And, uh, yeah, I played a, a this kind of intergalactic gangster type uh, called... Russell bueno, like it. a soldier. And uh at the time I had no idea uh that's what they were going to do. Um but it was great and I saw myself in books and then I went off and done signings for a few things after after the film came out. And again that was another turning point which I yeah which, which really helped um with some recognition um uh, in terms of my screen presence and what I can do and so on. I bet. In- and it was, even though it was very quick, uh, even, even though it was very kind of simple, when you watch the film, quite easy uh, and straight, you know, I was just in and out kind of thing, uh, people still kind of connect with it and reach out to me, which was phenomenal.
0: Absolutely. That's kind of the, the magic of Star Wars is everyone matters, you know, because it's one of those, like, universes where the guy in the back corner has a story and there'll be a book about him later and everyone needs to know. yeah. And and you're that guy, and you had a cool hat, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you just you're just winning left and right. That you realize you said a sentence that involved Harrison Ford, right? Like that you experienced. Oh I, yeah. I just I just we need to we need to unpack this because that is huge. <laughs> what is what well, is your life? Well, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say.
1: <laughs> you know, like, I I um. I really enjoyed that project, especially because, I mean, we were in this studio uh, most of the time, and in the middle of the studio was a massive fire where they're spit roasting this ginormous uh, alien turkey, uh, like the size of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. Um, um, And it it got so hot in there at times. Um, But everyone was just so understanding, and people would run out and fan you and give you water, and uh, uh, the, 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 the main cast would you know you could have a little chat in in the, in the gaps and they were just just lovely so i definitely i definitely re- remember that experience um really touching me you know
0: sure sure i mean it's you know the biggest franchise in the history of ever that's when you know you're doing pretty well and <laughs> you're in your acting journey when you look over and see like john boyega daisy ridley harrison ford just hanging out you're like oh yeah okay this is my life now yeah. i'm changed so that's and kind of. so when you're working on so when you're working on EastEnders, right? Something that's been around since you know the dawn of television. <laughs> how how was going on to a set like that so early in your acting career and being like, oh, this is this is what made TV here? Because I'm curious as to so like you're you're getting thrown into the deep end. Pretty much everything that you're doing, you're like, let's sing a little bit. Okay, number one, you're gonna start acting. All right, EastEnders. Like, how do you? Is your yep. brain just like that? That you can able, you you can adapt very quickly.
1: Yeah, I guess the universe is looking out for me. I kind of uh definitely get thrusted into these things where I'm I'm either gonna sink or swim. Um, yeah. And uh, you know what? If I'm being honest, it comes from the martial arts um kind of background. Like our instructors, it, you know, and these, you know, when you're like a teenager, these are your formative years. So you hang on every word. Yes. And it, it'll, and, and so they're like, you know, go out there with this indomitable spirit and, and never be defeated and feel like you can achieve anything because you can. And I kind of felt like looking at where my family came from in Jamaica, having no money um, to come over here and, and, and to educate themselves and to have property and to build. There's the only way is up. Like, why would I not do my best when I'm thrusted into these situations? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, the, the the other side is that it was hard when when i um got the call to do the tryout for extenders i was struggling financially i was at, at my mum's place sleeping on the floor because my brother was there with his partner and there was no there were no rooms mm-hmm. um and it was t- it was a real tough time and i was still just pushing 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 and i got this phone call hey what are you doing like wednesday we need you to go up to uh Boreham Wood there's a, a casting free senders. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, we need they're looking for market traders. They they, they like you, you got to get over there. I'm like, Okay, no problem. Let's do this. Get over there. Boom. It's a done deal. Um and so for me I was just thankful it didn't matter what it was gonna be, I'm gonna find a way to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: What else is there?
0: I agree. I agree. I also have this theory that like Anyone who's had, like, a rough childhood or anything like that or who knows what it's like to be hungry and knows what it's like to go without, you almost owe it to yourself to give it your all and to, like, kind of make your own destiny from here on out. Because, like you're saying, you know what it's like to have nothing, so there's only one way to go up. And it's, it's almost like a disservice to everything that you've been through to not go for it and to reach for what's out of reach, you know?
1: I agree with you. I absolutely agree.
0: Yeah, I think it's a—it's like an innate thing uh, that, like, if you're if you're given everything, then you don't necessarily have as much of an appreciation for it, you know, because it's not earned. But then when you do earn it, and then you—you also—you've had your medal tested quite a bit now that we're thinking about it, because, <laughs> because it's like, you know, it's like luck is preparation meets opportunity. So it's like when you're given these opportunities, you're still meeting them head on and you have what it takes otherwise you'd be met with the opportunity and then it would just fall flat so that's kind of cool thank you yeah yeah this is a service i provide <laughs> <laughs> i just i look at your life and find the thread and i'm like that's pretty cool so that makes sense that makes sense especially with the martial arts like i love that martial arts has has been this thread that's had benefits that people aren't necessarily talking about all the time when they talk about martial arts, you know, when you think of martial arts, typically you think about self defense and fighting, but it's like there's so much more gained from it. And I love that it's influenced music and acting and art and everything that you've been doing. It's kind of neat.
1: Absolutely. Because, um, you know, most of us that start martial arts, are not necessarily going to be cage fighters or, um, you know, sports leaders in, in the field. Sure. Um, but it, it, there's the opportunity for, for us to allow it to impact our lives in a real positive way. And uh, yeah, for sure, it's it's been the case with me.
0: I recommend it. Have you have you ever been punched in the head like real bad?
1: Yeah, I've been yeah. punched and kicked in the <laughs> in the head real bad. I've Ooh. been, uh, you know, when I was doing a lot more striking arts, uh, but punched and kicked all over the body generally. <laughs> you sure. Know, yeah. <laughs> you know, busted lip, um, yeah, fractures and and stuff. But um, with jujitsu, there's less of that. Um, because we can tap. Ah, then, smart. Yeah, and initially it plays with your ego. You of think, course. I ain't, I ain't tapping for nobody. Nobody's gonna tap me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, that only goes for so long.
1: It only goes for so long. <laughs> and then you start to realize the beauty in being able to tap, in that you get to learn from your mistakes and try again. And when you start applying that to life, it it's a special a special thing for sure.
0: I agree. I agree. Build your resilience, physically and, more importantly, mentally. Because you wait until the last possible second before tapping, and then you find out what you're made of, and then you learn from it. So it's all cumulative experience. Kind of neat.
1: Yeah. Kind of neat, indeed.
0: I was grappling one time with a dude, and I knew the second that he got me into the lock where it was gonna go. It's like one of those, like, there's a part of an arm bar when you're like, okay, there's only one way this goes. Before, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a point of no return. And I remember before it even got to the point where there was, like, leverage involved, I immediately tapped him, like, all right, this is, this is just how it goes. Like, I know where this is going. You've got me here. We're 95% of the part right before it starts hurting. Here you go. And he got so mad because he wasn't able to, like, make me tap by force because I recognized the losing battle. And then I in turn got in trouble for that because they're like you got to go to the point of no return first i was like okay fair i know what i've learned here
1: so you robbed him of the uh, i did yep (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's what he gets (laughs) (laughs) the victory should be in knowing you got me in that position to begin with he's like no i wanted to see the pain first like okay i'm gonna go over here i also got punched in the ear one time and that hurts really bad
1: no it's not nice it's not nice to get punched anywhere that's true (laughs) that's true you know if the person can really punch, it's just not nice.
0: Yeah, that's right. So you've done you've done fight work as well on screen.
1: Yeah, I, I did a, a, a show called uh, New Blood, which is about these detectives in the UK, and I'm a, a big Turkish. Uh, I'm in this Turkish bath, and I'm a big gangster that comes out and chucks a few people around, and I get hit over the head with a metal dustbin.
0: What? How? Talk to me.
1: Well, so um, these cops are in there trying to stake out the joint, and they find thereafter they're after and uh, they, they try to bring him in and I'm like you ain't taking anyone anywhere yeah. I come out with just a towel wrapped around me because <laughs> I'm in a Turkish bath right love it and I'm grabbing these guys and I'm throwing them into sun loungers and all this kind of stuff and he manages to crawl out into this passageway and find a dustbin and just as I almost get him he smashes me over the head with it and, uh, oh. and man- manages to get away which was so much fun
0: Dude, that's why you got Union Jack. They're like, he's wrestled before, look. He took a dustbin like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real dustbin? You really got hit in the head?
1: So it was, um, they, they kind of, you know, they put this thing together, so it looked like a real one. And it was heavy enough, you know, it had foam and stuff on it. And, um, so I had to kind of brace for the impact and, and, and take it like a man. Yeah, But, thankfully, uh, <laughs> it wasn't real metal. Um, but, yeah, that's so falling funny. on... On the floor, because cause I'm in a towel as well, right? I can't have too many pads and all that kind of stuff, so I just had to fall and take it, sure uh, how'd the towel stay on then? oh, they by the magic of television um, <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. uh, they the, the the makeup ladies the uh the the stylists they um sold it all onto me. oh, that's so cool, thankfully yeah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise they need a a different rating for the uh that's right for that show, that's right, for sure.
0: I mean, you have a background in erotic art. So, just saying. You kind of came from yeah. you know?
1: You know, I really enjoyed doing all of that. And not for the obvious. It was um, just connecting with the models. Um, who of course. Were very, yeah, just, just hearing their stories and some of the things they've done. And and finding ways to, to be really uh, classy and uh, creative with what I was doing. So, I got really into um using light to cast shadows and just it was more about but yeah i got into that whole thing silhouettes and stuff um that's so cool that that was really a lot of fun
0: because it's a specific type of art as well that requires it's like you know people say you have an eye for something like that's one of those it's a very specific you have it or you don't it's gonna be classy or it isn't like there's not there's not a whole lot of gray area uh pun intended, with the shadows, uh, involved in that type of medium. So I just love that all everything you've done has been cumulative. Like you've got martial arts experience, which prepared you mentally for the music, which you grew up listening to, and then you were able to do that. Then the fact that the art was the camera that put you in front of it, that made you go into acting. It's so
1: cool. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm just open. I'm just open to embracing these opportunities because the bigger picture is that we don't know how long we got on this this rock, man. Tell me about it. (laughs) Let's just do stuff.
0: I agree. I have that like ticking clock in the back of our heads, you know, where it's like, we don't have time. It's like, get in there and express yourself as much as possible and get the most out of life that you can. I think it's important to be open to opportunities and new experiences and also kind of get to know yourself. You know, I feel like a lot of people don't really explore themselves and realize the multifacets that we have. And then to see what those do. It seems to be pretty rewarding in my experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Is there something that you want to do that you haven't done yet? Like on your, on your list?
1: You're like, this would be cool. There are a few things I'd like to do. You know, I, I've always wanted to just spend like three months or something in Japan. Or, I um, love Japan. Never been. Always wanted to. I've been. What? Um... What's it like? Well, first of all, you notice that the people are just so friendly and just willing to help. I remember coming off um some shuttle somewhere trying to find my hotel and i was absolutely lost and uh at the time i couldn't see any signs that were helping i didn't have any um internet to use my phone or anything Sure. and this woman came out of her job like she was working and she saw i was lost and she mumbled something to her manager who it was she me, and and she couldn't speak english uh properly but she just said look I showed her where I wanted to go, and she took me pretty much to my hotel, and then went back to work. That's and I thought, cool. And I was like, "Wow, I love this place already." Yeah, um, right off the bus. I, <laughs> right off the bus. And I was staying in Tokyo. I was in Shibuya mostly, um, oh, doing cool. lots of meetings around music. Music, really. I was doing a lot of music publishing meetings and stuff, and so that it was very busy, and it just didn't stop. You know, like nighttime all the way through. There was just something going on always. And the thing that always stuck with me randomly was. People go out like businessmen would get drunk after work and fall asleep on a bench, uh. and no, <laughs> no one would like take their keys or phone or anything. <laughs> they just like leave them, just leave them alone. Oh my god! <laughs> they like...
0: see him and just pat him. Me too, buddy. Me too. <laughs> 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 That's amazing. Just passed out businessmen in Japan.
1: Yeah, dude. But I'd love to. I'd love to live in that part of the world generally for a good few months or even a year or, or so or more, yeah. and travel around. Uh, going to Singapore, I love it there. Oh, uh,
0: cool.
1: Yeah, it's another place I'd, I'd love to spend more time at. Just because it's easy to get to then, let's say, Australia or Hong Kong or all the, all the surrounding areas. Yeah. And Deliver and all that. So Thailand and so on.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Especially in the States. It's like, oh, man, that is on the other side of the planet. Yeah. that's, that's what, I've always wanted to go to Australia for that reason. Just to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Earth, I've been on the other side of it. So, you know. <laughs> Not yet, but one day. One day. Do you have – actually, I want to talk about your book. So what made you want to write a book? It's a lot of work.
1: It's a lot of work. I felt like inside I had a lot going on that mm-hmm. I needed to let out, and the book seemed like the best way. So I started blogging, um, and then wow. I left it for a while. Mm-hmm. And being really into business, yeah, um, I thought to myself, I've spent so much time being creative. Let me go and do some courses and and keep learning and develop some skills in this area. And I, I read a book, a friend of mine recommended a book called entrepreneur revolution by Daniel Priestley. Love
0: it.
1: And I read it, took it out, loved it, made sense. And went to one of his events and thought, you know, I'm going to do this guy's course. So I did the six month, I think it was like a threshold thing. Um, and, it was all right, you know. I, learned, I took I took a lot from it. What I took from it the most was some great new friends who had a similar approach and mindset business wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how I recognized how important it was to 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 have content out and how to and and to to, to be writing and, and putting out stuff packed with value all the time. Right. Uh, so yeah, they they do a course where you can go off and they help you write a book. But I thought, no, I'm going to continue my blogging thing and just write. I kind of felt like I wanted to write this book um, because I needed to get my own thoughts together about what the next steps were going to be for me.
0: Sure, that makes in, sense. In my,
1: yeah, and then also to offer some ideas to people that maybe tr- treading a, a, a similar road to then maybe take it and then find their own way, you know, with some of this information that I I have from my experiences. Right, and that's that's how the book came about.
0: That makes sense. How long did it take you to write it?
1: It didn't take that long, actually. It took me maybe about two months, two or three months. Wow,
0: that's super
1: fast. Um, I would. I just got into this flow of every day writing, say a thousand words, just you know, just just writing and, and then figuring out what I wanted to keep, what I wanted to get rid of, and I I, I wasn't worried about going. Yeah, I'm going to make it a hundred thousand words. And I was just like, okay. These are the chapters I feel are really important this is these are the questions I feel arise and these, these are the answers I feel are, are important to include and that's it It doesn't matter to me how many words it's going to be it's all, all about you know the um, sure um, more <laughs> than anything so
0: you're done when you're done Nah, you're done you're done when you're done That's right that's right We commit in this house that's what we do
1: That's what we do all day
0: yeah all day every day. Tell your friends. Did, we don't sleep. We established that we earlier. Sleep. There's no sleeping. This is a no, no sleep sleeping. household here.
1: That's what it is.
0: That's right. That's pretty cool, though. I I uh I don't think I have the attention span to write a book. I read them, but that's very very commendable to be able to. And it's got to be cool as well to have something on top of all your other work that's like you can hold in your hands. You know, you're like I made this.
1: Yeah. Um that was really neat. And I, I did I went off and I did the audio book for it as well. So cool. Um
0: you have a great voice, by the way.
1: Thank you so I'm much. I just man. gonna
0: say it. You got a good one. I do not, so I commend you for yours. Well done.
1: No, not at all, man. I appreciate it. And I I I earlier this year I started a voiceover agency so I could be in more control of my own voice career. Sweet. And, yeah, and, and signed a few other artists and were really working hard, pushing though pushing the agency and having fun doing it it's, it's phenomenal
0: i bet look, look at you being even more multifaceted. you
1: know it's i just feel like it's just an extension of the th- way if that makes sense
0: yeah i agree i agree it's all and it's all performance as well i th- i think we've established that you're a performer at heart i am right you know
1: <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we got a
0: lot of proof here backing it up
1: there's a lot of proof yeah. a performer creative yep
0: it, I mean, those are the best kinds. If you have a lot to say, and then you get it out, and then people connect with it, and that's what it's all about, really. And that, So what advice do you have for somebody who wants to get into the kind of stuff that you're getting into?
1: Oh, which, which bits of the stuff? Good question.
0: <laughs> Let's say all of it. <laughs> well, so music. Let's say music, because that's a specific industry as well. If anyone wants to get into music, what advice would you have for them?
1: The great thing today with, when it comes to music is... um. It's so much easier to connect with you all. I think it's really important to figure out why you're doing it. You know, what's your big idea? What's the the reason for it all?
0: Sure. I agree you with what that. You I mean? Have something to say.
1: Have something to say. Um, have, a, have a bigger picture for you and, and why it all connects. And be willing to be flexible about how that can change.
0: Oh, yeah? And, you know,
1: have, yeah. And, and factor in regular points to assess how that's all going, you know? And, yeah. Uh, that's definitely the first thing because some people, yeah, I want to be a singer. I've got a great voice. Well, okay. What are you going to do when you have no money and the bailiffs are knocking at your door? Yeah. And, you know, all of this kind of stuff, how are you going to pay your bills and um, you have family? And, you know, and then there's also how you kind of develop that resilience, you know, when people uh, don't want to hear your music or you're trying really hard and you can't get how you're building with a mindset of giving you know some people just want to take 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 like how are you creating win win situations for the people that you're networking with because that's 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 really going to make a difference with regards to heading towards sustainability so i think the main thing for me would be to encourage people to think about sustainability how are you going to make it work long term
0: that makes sense and especially like you're saying just because you can sing well that like that's only part of it there's a whole other side with resilience and having something to say and like also how are you going to stand out i feel like is an important thing uh, to know before getting into it, that way you don't get up on stage and then you're like, oh, this is this is
1: all I had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And burnout. Just I think at the heart of it for me is wellness. Um, figuring out how you can do all of these things, but but be healthy, you know, so you can enjoy it for as long as possible with a a reasonable quality.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that because you're so worried about the work that you're not thinking about the instrument, which is you. Because you can have all the drive in the world, but if you can't, if you don't have the health to to run the race, then you're not going to make it very far.
1: Yeah. And again, this is what I talk about in my book, you know, just those those things. Because, like you said, we don't think about it so much. We just think, yeah, I'm going to be a number one and I'm going to make, I'm going to get a red Lamborghini. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) buy houses for everyone in my family. And then you're like, okay, but. Are, are you resting? Are you working out? Are you taking enough water? What? Who are who? Are the people in your circle are they negative? Are they real but encouraging? You know, like all those little small practical things that help you just keep going, help you stay buoyant, sure, right, so you can achieve those goals.
0: Because unless you can achieve all those goals in the year, then it's a it's a little <laughs> bit of a different. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon.
1: Yeah, man, hundred percent,
0: dude. Well, I mean. Having talked to you now for an hour, I uh, I have no doubt why you've made it this far, and I'm very excited to see what you do next, because you're just, like I said, you're one of those people that have multi-facets upon facets, and I enjoy everything you've done.
1: Listen, I, once again, I really appreciate the, the support and the encouragement, and please stay in touch, you know?
0: Dude, of course. And,
1: uh, and, where, uh, so where
0: can people get your book?
1: You can get it on Amazon. It's called How to Think Beyond the Chart Position. I love it. Um that's available there. Um also on Audible. Yes. And uh, yeah, my website is spoonface.net. Love it. And uh Instagram. Spoonface one. Spoonface one. I'm there.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Get that search engine optimization. You got the, you've you've cornered the Spoonface market and I respect that.
1: Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much. Of course.
0: Dude, this was really, really fun. I hope you've had a good time. I've I've really, really enjoyed it and I, I appreciate you coming on.
1: Likewise, man. Sweet. Likewise, 100%.
0: If you got anything else coming up, you let me know.
1: For sure, I'll keep you posted. Right good. on.
0: This was so cool. Thanks again. And. Thank you, Brian. Hello, friends! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Interesting Podcast. If you'd like to follow the show, it is at Pod of Interest on Twitter. If you'd like to follow me, I'm at JediBrian on all social media sites, as well as BrianBalance.com. That is balance with two L's. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and tell your friends. Let them know we've got some cool stuff going on over here. Speaking of cool stuff, we now have merch! That's right! Just search The Interesting Podcast on TeePublic to get some sweet gear. Also, I've made a Patreon. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to other exclusive shows, you can now do that at patreon.com slash Jedi Brian. On that note, special thanks to Chris, Ben, Jim, Daz, Kelly, Daryl, Logan, and Victor. Your support means everything, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. So until next time, be well.